0: Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day.
2: Let's get it going on the Locked On Thunder Podcast on the Locked On Podcast Network, your teams every day. I am your host and founder of BricktownBuckets.com, Ryland Stiles. You can follow me on Twitter at Rylan underscore Stiles. It's at R-Y-L-A-N underscore S-T-I-L-A-S. You can follow the show on Twitter at Thunderpod. Email the show, LLThunderPod at gmail.com. Call into the show 405-362-7128. On today's show, we're going to recap the Thunder's 22-point comeback win Over the Chicago Bulls, where do we even start on this game? I have two entire pages of notes for this contest. But this is one of those games in which you just throw your hands in the air because you are bound to just start rambling about this contest and miss something. And that's why I'm so glad it's a daily show for if we do miss anything. But we're going to try to make this as structured and flowing as possible. But what a game for the Thunder to get their first win in Oklahoma City this season. This is the only Daily podcast by the Oklahoma City Thunder. Subscribe to the show wherever you get your podcast from. This is the seventh episode of the week right here. So if you have missed any episodes, go back and listen, because on today's show, we're going to talk about SGA. Talk about Lou Dort, Kenny Hustle, Isaiah Roby, debut a brand new segment and so much more. Again, we're going to be back right after the 76ers game as well, so be sure to subscribe wherever you get your podcast from. Uh, going into this game, Al Horford was out as a surprise due to personal reasons. We're not sure what those reasons are. They're personal. He's out. Ty Jerome was out with a left ankle sprain, but Darius Baisley, who was dealing with a right ankle sprain, was questionable heading into this game, and Darius Baisley ends up playing in this game, uh, although not very well. The Thunder starters were SGA, Dort, Hill, Baisley, Isaiah, Roby, and the BetOnline.ag. Our exclusive betting partners use Locked On for a 50% welcome bonus. They had this close at a two-point underdog situation for the Thunder. Whenever we checked this morning and we had our preview pod this morning, this game was a pick All of a sudden, right at tip-off, it goes to Bulls minus two. Thunder obviously win at OKC plus two. Billy Donovan is back for the first game in Oklahoma City. That means something, obviously. At those two games in Oklahoma City in the preseason, and then also before this game, we found out something very important about the next game on Sunday. Joel Embiid will not play Sunday, so that's big for the Thunder to continue now this winning streak and try to get above 500 again on Sunday. The 76ers will be that will be without their best player at this point, and honestly one of the favorites for the MVP award. If it ended today and you had to cast your, your your ballots, you'd have Joel Embiid right up there this season. But let's get into this contest. The Thunder erase a 22-point Bulls lead to win this game. The Thunder had two runs in them this time. I, I said it before and I'll say it again. This Thunder team always has a run in them. No matter what the score is, they always seem to find a way To fight back, they did so again in this one. They had an amazing third quarter comeback, which was basically only Lou Dort. And then they get back down by about 16 with four minutes to go, and they come back again to force overtime and then win the game in overtime. So for this game, the best way, I think, to break it down is just going case by case and and pointing out these individuals. And, And you have to lead this podcast with Shea because Shea unlocked something today. Today is going to be a turning point for Shea. I think that this game is going to be the game we look back on and and, and see that he realized in this contest that this is now his franchise. Because coming into this game there were a lot of questions about his shot attempts, a lot of questions about his aggressiveness and in this game he brought that aggressiveness to the table. He took it upon himself to ensure this comeback. He took it upon himself to force overtime and he wanted the ball in the big moments and he wanted to take shots in the big moments, not just be a good teammate. He wanted to be the driving force of this team in the big moment. Something that had been lacking from him to this point in this season and we got it today. And I think that this game will be a turning point for him because you saw how much he he cares about this team and he cares about his performance and his leadership skills in this contest. Mike Muscala says after the game that Shea told him to always be ready and you can see him being a vocal leader on the floor. Mike Muscala started out cold from beyond the arc. Shea tells him continue to be ready. I'm going to find you and Muscala hits two Huge threes in overtime to win them this game. Shea was obviously energized. He was obviously emotional and animated, and that was huge for them. He's playing with such confidence, but also still playing smooth. Nothing about tonight was out of sorts for Shea, and yet you look up and he has 19 shot attempts. He goes 68% from the floor. He has five three-point attempts after having zero the other night. He goes three for five from beyond the arc. And nothing about those 19 attempts felt forced. It's so genuine, and it comes within the offense. But you could see him doing what we talked about. Literally just this week, we've talked about how the next evolution for Shea is looking beyond basketball. Right In the grand scheme of things, this entire season, Shea has been making good basketball decisions. What Shea needed to start doing, and he did tonight, was realizing that although in the context of basketball this is only a good shot, and the guy next to me, say Darius Baisley, has a great shot, so I'm going to give it to him, he needs to look at it more in the perspective of that he is the superstar here, he is the all-star here, he is the driving force here, and he did that tonight. He took good shots instead of waiting for a great shot. And instead of waiting on that great opportunity and taking the good ones, you saw a still-efficient night with way more shot attempts. And and it goes back to the the comparison we said about Damian Lillard. Now, again, Shea is in no way Damian Lillard. Damian Lillard is a special player, and if Shea ever gets there, that'll be incredible. But whenever Paul George calls that shot a bad shot, the one that sent the Thunder into this rebuild, in the sense of basketball, that's a bad shot. In the sense of Dame, that is not a bad shot. And Shea has to get to that point where he realizes In the context of just genuine basketball, maybe this is not our best look at this possession. But in the context of our roster construction and who's on the floor with me, this is the best shot. So I'm going to go ahead and take it. And you saw him do that tonight, and that's so encouraging. And I think that this is the game where he realizes he has the keys to everything. And he can go ahead and start shooting more. Because again, even at 19 uh, attempts, it didn't feel like he was just jacking up shots shots willy-nilly. And that's a big deal for his development. I love the leadership stuff after the game, talking about how at halftime... They were addressing the team saying, Look, we didn't play the way we want to play. We've got to fix all of this. The Mike Muscala interaction, all of that is great things heading into this next game and beyond in Shea's career. He had a lot more spot up threes, which you love to see. Even on that and one to send it to overtime. He had an opportunity to pull up from beyond the arc, but he's thinking five steps ahead and realized, although I have this space here, I can create something different. And he created a strong drive to the basket and an and one opportunity to get the three point play the old fashioned way. Shea was just deadly this game and he made three really bad decisions, but you put it in the scope of he's a 22 year old who has now seen his NBA role adjust for the third straight season, which is three for three in his career I can live with three bad decisions from your foundation, from your building block, from a guy who should be an all-star. This is Shea's franchise now, and once again, he has a career night. He has a career high in points with 33 points. He only has the one official turnover. He has a steal, 10 assists, 5 rebounds, and again, shot very efficiently, 60% from beyond the arc and 68% from the floor. I think that with Shea, he is... Even without wearing a Homer, you know, thunder-colored glasses, he is somebody you look at and you just have fun watching. He's one of the most fun players in the entire NBA. And even in the, in the construct of this franchise that has seen so many elite-level players, so many Hall of Famers have passed through this organization. And through all of that, Shea is one of the most enjoyable players to watch. Obviously, in no means, by no way, and not even close is he to the most talented player. Not even close to the most talented player to ever play here. But the uniqueness of his game is so fun to watch at 22 years old. I cannot wait for the future of Shea. And today you put on display that even before you start picking in the lottery, your young core is already better than Chicago's. And then that should really be a cautionary tale to everyone out there. Chicago's been picking in the mid-lotteries for years now. And that's what you end up with when you're picking the mid-lotteries. That's what I've talked about before the season of the one place you want to avoid is the middle. If this team gets drugged to the postseason on the back of Shea, on the back of Lou Dort hitting four threes a night and scoring 21 points and getting six steals, if that leads this team to the postseason, that is phenomenal. Because that means that those two guys with Darius Baisley and other pieces have taken such a substantial leap that you can afford to not have that highly coveted top overall pick. But if this team's only in the middle and this team is not bad enough to get a top overall pick record-wise, because again, this team is in no way a bad basketball team, but they just might not be able to win a lot of these games the way that they were down 20 points at one point to this same Chicago's Bull team that they just ran over in the clutch time. If you're not bad enough to get a top overall pick and a top, really a top five pick in the NBA draft, but you're also not good enough to go to the postseason and you end up somewhere in that 8-9-10 8-9-10 range, well, then all of a sudden you miss a golden opportunity to pair a generational talent next to Shea, who is already a franchise-changing talent in his own right. And then I'll add into that Lou Dort and whatever Darius Baisley can become, which we'll talk about in a little bit. Look, this game was super fun, but once again, it gets you back to 500, and it doesn't change anything about the future outlook of this team. Tanking normally happens, if you're someone who's on board with tanking, it normally happens in the second half of the year anyway. If you're someone who's not on board with tanking, it gets you back to 500. it's a step in the right direction, but you still have a brutal road trip coming up. And the last time this team faced a brutal road trip, they stood up to the test, so we'll see if they can do it again whenever they go out there and play Denver and play two games against the Clippers and play the Blazers. Maybe catch these teams at the right time, as you do with with Philadelphia on Sunday, who's going to be without Joel Embiid. Who knows? But this is what's in front of this team. And coming up, we'll talk about Lou Dort. We're going to talk about Darius spaces, Isaiah Roby, and Kenny Hustle, as well as debut our brand-new segment.
0: Hey, guys, it's Walker Mail, host of the Locked On Hornets podcast. And being around sports media and a fan of the Hornets for a lifetime has taught me that sometimes it's exploring the sliding doors moments and what-if scenarios in sports that can be the best part of the fan experience. What if the Seahawks let Marshawn run on the one-yard line with the Super Bowl on the line? Or could a coin flip actually have landed Magic in Chicago, Michael in LA, and made Charles Barkley the first black president? Enter Wondery's newest sports show, Alternate Routes, a weekly leap into the sports multiverse with former Sports Center anchors Trey Wingo and Kevin Frazier. Each week on the podcast, Trey and Kevin will pry open the sliding doors of a different what if moment from the world of sports. In these alternate sports realities, dynasties will fall, legacies will change forever, new goats will emerge. Follow alternate routes on the Wondery app or wherever you get your podcast. You can listen to alternate routes early and ad-free right now by joining Wondery Plus.
2: We are back on Locked on Thunder, the only daily podcast about the Oklahoma City Thunder. The Thunder got that important home win the first of the season and it was mainly attributed to Lou Dort and Shea Gilders-Alexander who we've already talked about. With Lou Dort, he goes four for 11 from beyond the arc. 11 shot attempts from distance 36% from three-point land, 46% from the floor, and he goes three for four from the free-throw line. He gets eight rebounds in this game, six steals, a block, and then has the one turnover and two personal fouls on his way to 21 points. What what Lou Dort has been able to accomplish so far this season has been awesome. It truly has. That third quarter is what won this game for the Thunder. It's what kept you alive and kept you in it and kept you energized. If Lou Dort does not have that third quarter, there's no way you make that fourth quarter run. There's no way you're in overtime. There's no way that you win this game. And so Lou Dort was the most important piece of this specific contest, and and, and it was just awesome to watch him shoot threes off the dribble and expand his game even more offensively. And, of course, he had the valuable defensive performances down the stretch of this game whenever this team really started to turn the tide On this comeback. So Lou Dort deserves a heck of a hat tip, as does Isaiah Roby, who once again steps up. I wrote an article about Isaiah Roby on BricktownBuckets.com today. And yet again, he has double digit points in a start. He's never not had double digit points when starting a contest. And he did foul out in this game. There were some bad calls against him, but. Nonetheless, this is going to happen whenever you're 6'8". The fact that he's 6'8", playing center, and he doesn't get into more foul trouble, this is really only the second game in which he's been in foul trouble all season long, is impressive in its own right, but he does foul out in this contest. He goes one for three from beyond the arc. I really liked his confidence when shooting the basketball. It added a level to his game, but also added a level to this offense because the Bulls realized how confident he was shooting the three ball. And even though he only shot three of them and only made one of them, they still respected his three more than most teams have. Obviously, did not play airtight defense on them from beyond the arc, but just that subtle change and that subtle move up defensively really helped the Thunder get to the lane. Isaiah Roby also shot 50% from the floor and 33% from deep, 50% from the free throw line. Now, he did have four rebounds in this game. The bigger point is the passes he was able to make. In this contest, he had three assists, and he is such a plus passer for a big man, quote unquote, a big man. He is such a plus passer and a really good pick and pop guy. He set much better screens in this game than he had in, in games previous. Obviously, still not an, an elite screener, still not someone who can erase a, a defender, but he did screen better in this contest. And beyond having the right touch on his passes, I mean, that pass he had to George Hill. It was a fantastic cut from George Hill, but George Hill is moving full speed, and Isaiah Roby puts it right on the money, leads him right to the basket. It's an easy layup. That is extremely hard to do, and Roby did it. He also has an amazing IQ on that one play where he gets the ball, it kicks out to him at the top of the key, and he has a decent look from three. If he would have shot that, nobody would have complained but he realizes not only is Lou Dort the hot hand, but Lou Dort has a much better look and they can just swing it to him and anticipate that Lou Dort will be in a spot. He swings it to him without even thinking about it. The defense cannot adjust. Lou Dort pops open and he shoots the three and nails the three. And so that IQ, that awareness, and doing all of that smoothly without hesitation was really good to see from Isaiah Roby. I think as each game goes on, also Isaiah Roby is getting better at finishing through contact. And you, and you saw in this game, he really took on the Al Horford role, not just the minutes. He didn't just fill in for the minutes, but in this game, the offense was generating through him, and he was touching the ball every possession. He was setting those screens, doing the handoffs, getting the ball in the high post. He was doing what Al Horford typically does. And to see Mark continue to repeat his own system, no matter who's out there, is a good sign for the future of this team because as we've talked about before, This offense, although it's ranked low and and ranked last in the NBA, the offensive scheme is really good. And if Mark will continue to implement that no matter who's on the floor, eventually you're going to have really good players who can utilize that scheme and make their open shots and be more effective offensively, and that is going to allow this team to thrive. And so to continue to see him not deterring from that just because you don't have Al Horford and trusting Isaiah Roby to run the same system is a good sign. But with Isaiah Roby, you also have to talk about Kenny Hustle. And Kenny Hustle is a big part of this win, too. Because to make that third quarter run, which you, we already established is why the Thunder won this game. To make that third quarter run, Mark had to leave the starters in longer than his rotational plan. And when he did that, that means he now has to cut into the starters' minutes for the fourth quarter, most important quarter. And you cannot survive that without the minutes you got. From Kenrich Williams. He did all the dirty work. He played really good defense, got some charges, had that amazing finish over Kobe White in the overtime period. You saw Mark go away from Darius Baisley and go straight to Kenny Hustle late in that game. He was diving for loose balls. He was playing with energy. And without that energy, again, we've, we've heard players talk about this. Mike Muscala has been a big proponent of this. Without the fans, with an empty stadium, you're responsible as a team for your own energy levels and Kenny hustle making those hustle plays is going to excite this team. And that's exactly what they needed to make this comeback. And so Kenny hustle deserves a big hat to as somebody who at times has fallen out of the rotation is getting inconsistent minutes is playing different roles. You know, sometimes he's a three, he's a four, he's a five, You're just getting thrown all over the place. And to be able to, to stay poised and and confident in his game and not changing up his own game and just allowing the game to come to him really helped the Thunder because he had to steal minutes in this game. That's what it was. You don't plan for Kendrick Williams to play overtime. You don't plan for him to play in the clutch time of the fourth quarter. But due to the rotational patterns and the fact that you had to leave your starters out there, that's what it came to, and he stepped up in a big way. You also saw Tail Maldon at times be really aggressive, and you love that from your rookies. 19 years old. Obviously, he goes four for eight from the floor and two for five from beyond the arc. He was confident when shooting the three ball, and those shots are going to fall for him more often than not. Three rebounds, two assists, did have the two turnovers. That's just going to happen for rookies on his way to 10 points. Valuable minutes from him off the bench. So there was a ton of good in this contest, including Mike Muscala. Mike Muscala showed you what he can bring to a team. He's a veteran. He's not going to get too high, not going to get too low. He misses a ton of shots leading up to overtime, but then he lets all that go and he knocks down his shots, two big ones to win this game in overtime. And I noticed throughout the whole game, especially in overtime, that he is comfortable shooting from well beyond the arc. And this game, it was dramatic, right? This game, it felt like every single three he took was almost from the logo. And that spaces the floor so much more because Muscala is a veteran three point shooter who is respected. Like, people understand that that is the main component of his game, so they have to get drawn out further and further the more further back he moves because he can hit those shots. And so whenever he's comfortable setting up and jacking from long distance, almost a logo, then it unclogs the lane for all these guys on this roster who like to drive, which is 90% of your roster still, that that thrive when they're driving to the rim. And so Muscala being able to set up from well beyond the arc – really helps floor spacing in those moments. And then Chicago just having a complete and utter collapse obviously helps this game a ton. The Thunder pick and roll and pick and pop coverages were really bad. They were overhelping. They they weren't really playing their style of defense and it resulted in open looks uh, a lot of the time until they finally locked in at the like midway point of the third quarter. Billy Donovan wastes a timeout for no reason, which actually hurts his own team's run more than impacting the Oklahoma City Thunder, which stopped me if you've heard that before, that Billy Donovan, of all people, takes unnecessary timeouts. His his team's offense, the, the Bulls' offense, late in that game, was atrocious. There was literally no organization. There was just your turn, my turn. Let's pass it over here. Lori, you shoot it. Okay, now, Zach, you shoot it. Stop me if you've heard that before. We've always blamed that on Russell Westbrook and Paul George and Kevin Durant and the and the roster construction he's had, but he's got young, impressionable pieces who will do whatever he wants them to do, and you're seeing the same struggles late in games where they're not having an offensive system. They don't have an offensive identity. They're not generating open looks. They're just discombobulated. That is the complete and total opposite of what Mark's teams have been offensively throughout the entire game, especially in the clutch. So you never want to overreact to just one particular game, but the exact same issues that plagued Billy Donovan in Oklahoma City, in which we passed off as, oh, that's just Russell Westbrook, oh, that's just the roster construction, oh, those guys don't listen to him, are the same issues he's having now in Chicago at least in this game. And those issues that he's having in Chicago and he had in Oklahoma City are not being repeated by the Thunder this season with a new coach. So make your own conclusions there. Now we've talked for 21 minutes about all the good the Thunder did and all the bad Chicago did, but it's time to look at the negative side of this for the Thunder. A couple key points here that were not particularly good. We're also going to do the MVP of the game. We're going to do a new segment We're going to do the bet of the game and the money ball outcome of the game. We are back on Locked on Thunder, the only daily podcast about the Oklahoma City Thunder. It is Friday night, and you already have seven episodes of Locked on Thunder this week. This is the only place that gives you so much podcast content. Subscribe wherever you get your podcast from. I'm Ryland Stiles. Follow me on Twitter at Rylan underscore styles. So the big negative in this game is Darius Baisley. I mean, he was atrocious tonight. There's no other way to put it. There's no other way to sugarcoat it. He was atrocious. And in the preview, I talked about how this was his get right game. You're playing a terrible defense. This is the game that he should get back on track offensively. With this, you know, playing the Bulls defense are so terrible. This should be the game that that basically shows you those offensive flashes. And he just didn't in this game. He was atrocious. And, and what's even worse is he looks like he's lacking confidence. Now, I would have never thought in a million years I would say that Darius Baisley didn't have confidence, but that's the case. I mean, that is the case right now. Is it going to be something he can snap out of? I certainly think so. But in this game, you saw him on multiple times, not only hesitate, but he would pump fake wide open threes one, two, three times, still not shoot it, and then just throw the ball away. Just throw it away. Literally right to a guy. He didn't finish well at the rim. He didn't shoot well. He didn't particularly do anything well tonight. He had a rough game. It was so bad that can he hustle? was more valued by Mark Dagnott in this game than Darius Baisley was. I would have never predicted that in a million years in the preseason. I still think this is only a rough stretch. I still think there's just something going on. Maybe it's the right ankle tonight. Maybe it's some other kind of bumps and bruises. Maybe he's simply just not comfortable yet. I mean, again, this roster has gotten overturned and overturned and overturned, and there's not a lot of continuity yet from this team. We're still early on in this season, although it feels like these games are happening left and right. We're still early on with no training camp, none of that precious time to get comfortable. So maybe he's just not comfortable. Maybe that's the only part of it. that He's not comfortable, and then you can also throw in there the right ankle injury, and you can also throw in there the fact that he's taking on a larger role defensively. He's playing a lot better defensively. He's taking on better competition defensively, and it's zapping him from the offensive game. But whatever it is, He's clearly terrible offensively so far this season, all in all. Now, he's had flashes. He's had moments in games even where he looks good. But as a totality of the season, he's been bad offensively. Now, his skill set and his potential is a double-double every single night. We had that question on Stockwatch. Is Darius Baisley going to average a double-double? And I said that Darius Basley is a walking double-double. He has not shown up that way, though. And that's the fact of the matter. And in this game... He plays 27 minutes, goes three for 12 from the floor, one for three from beyond the arc, gets six rebounds or five rebounds, two assists, two steals. He's still playing really well defensively the best you can, but nine points and five rebounds is not going to cut it from a building block and a a core piece uh, of your young core. And he knows that. I'm not saying anything that he doesn't know. What I fear is not the production level. I, I could care less really what his specific stats are for game to game. What I care about is the confidence because I don't want to see Basley's confidence go away because there's so much talent in there. There is so much potential in there that seeing him second guess himself on open looks and and seeing him hesitate and turn the ball over and not finish at the rim. Those are the concerning parts to me because I don't ever want him to give, give up on himself. Do not ever give up on Darius Baisley because of that untapped potential. And I fear That if this trend continues, he might start to doubt himself even more. He needs to really just take a deep breath and remember that he is Darius Baisley. He's a great basketball player with immense potential and somebody who this organization should build around. But tonight was the first night that I really noticed the confidence. The confidence kind of waning a little bit. He's had really bad offensive nights before, but tonight... It, it was almost like he knew, for, for the first time all season, he knew he was not performing well offensively. And then that made him press and press and press. You want him to take a step back and just take a deep breath. I still believe in Darius Baisley, but I only bring this up of how bad he was tonight because of the confidence thing. And you just do not want to see him lose that confidence. Now Sunday, it's a new game. Zero and zero, 40 minutes, all that good coach speak. And also, they don't have Joel Embiid. So that opens some things up a little bit. We'll see what he does on Sunday and beyond that. But I still think he's a building block. I still think he's a double-double guy. I still think he's going to be like a 15, 18, 19 point per game score in his NBA career with 10, 12 rebounds to go with it. And I think that the defensive improvements we've seen from him and the defensive leap we've seen from him is legitimate. The other bad from this game was just Diallo. Diallo goes one for six in this game. He also falls out of the rotation in the second half. Just does not play well. He's taken three. He's taken more jump shots than he should. Just doesn't play well tonight, and he presses, and he tries to do too much. He does get three rebounds. He does get the, the three assists. He gets the steal, uh, but he has the two turnovers, and he has only two points in this game, and he has three fouls in 13 minutes. In 13 minutes, he had three fouls. And this is what I was afraid of heading into this game. You're playing a bad defensive team. You're playing a bad overall team. Diallo's had a lot of success. Does he now start to try to press and try to do more and more and more when he really should stay within himself? Now, I'm not ready to throw out all the all the goodies he's had just due to this one bad game. I think that maybe he can just recenter himself and be good to go moving forward and be a reminder not to fall into the bad habits he fell back into tonight, but it's something to monitor as we keep an eye on what Diallo will be with the future. He fell back into some old habits tonight against Chicago. We'll see what he has coming up. The MVP of this game. Let's get into it.
1: MVP, MVP. He's the MVP right now.
2: You the real MVP. MVP, MVP. The MVP of this game to me is Lou Dort. We have talked about this. You do not win this game without Lou Dort. You just don't. And, and Lou Dort stepping up defensively, the block, the six steals, in, in a game in which you desperately needed it, in a game in which you give up 125 points in overtime, and, and a game in which that Zach Levine just goes off for 35, and Kobe White goes off for 22 points, and Wendell Carter has 16, and Laurie has 16, and the rookie Patrick Williams has 14, in a game in which the Bulls are scoring at will, To have Lou Dort continue to step up when it matters is a big deal. And a defender like Lou Dort, to frustrate Zach Levine is a big deal. Zach Levine is scoring at will this season, and to be able to frustrate him late in the game was big. Now, again, Levine still had a phenomenal night, but Lou Dort did well, all things considered. He was really the reason he won this game. Let's debut the new segment. The new segment is going to be mock headlines. So what I want you to do is, after every game, And after you listen to the podcast, tweet at me at Rylan underscore Stiles at R-Y-L-A-N underscore S-T-I-L-E-S. And if you don't have Twitter, you can email LLThunderPod at gmail.com and make up a fake headline about the game. And I want to see who can come up with the best one. So my first fake headline, the mock headline of this game, the first mock headline in show history is unbelievable. Donovan collapses in homecoming. Unbelievable. B-U-L-L. Anyway, the bet of the game outcome. Brat to you by our good friends over at betonline.ag is OKC Pick'Em. I picked that in the morning. I stuck with it, even though I could have gotten the two points later on that night. I got OKC Pick'Em, and obviously... I won that because Oklahoma City won. The Moneyball outcome is a big deal because we have another winner. I picked Lou Dort this morning on the preview show, and he comes out and knocks down four triples, goes four for 11, leads the team. Shea was close with three. I'm still behind a couple of listeners so far this season, but at least this week I got on the winning track for the first time all year earlier in the week. But be sure to subscribe to Locked on Thunder wherever you get your podcasts from. If you are a listener who wants to partake in the bet of the game or the Moneyball bet of the game, and if you don't know the Moneyball bet of the game is just who leads the team in three-pointers made, uh, you can always send in your submissions on Twitter at Rylan underscore Styles or on the email Lothunderpod at gmail.com. We'll keep track of them. If you can beat me this season, then you will win a special giveaway. For Sunday's picks and Sunday's Moneyball, check out my Twitter account to get that before tip-off at Ryland_Styles. underscore styles. We'll be back Monday morning after the 76ers contest to recap that game and preview the week ahead on Locked on Thunder and for the Oklahoma City Thunder. So thank you all for listening. Be good and be good to one another. We'll see you Monday.